Welcome to Blind Hog and Acorn. I'm your host, Mary Jane, the Acorn, and today is the summer solstice. It's midsummer, the longest day of the year. I got up at 5 a.m. and watched as the skies began to lighten, and then boom, it was morning. Today is also the day I drive down the two and a half miles of gravel road to where it joins the paved road. I'll turn around and then come back home stopping along the way to get one or so specimens of each wildflower I see and bring them home for our midsummer arrangement. A five-gallon bucket with some water is put in the floorboard of Tudor McGruber, the Chevy Tracker, hashtag our utility ride, and off I go. Black-eyed Susans, Queen Anne's Lace, Wild Roses, Honeysuckles, Wild hydrangea, flea banes, flocks, spurge, and spiderworts. I did not find any wild bergamot, also known as bee balm, and I wonder if it's because we haven't had any rain for over a week. I did find some new plants wild blue larkspur, heartleaf four o'clock, and cat's claw briar. A pink, puffy pom-pom of a flower on a prickly vine. It reminds you of something you'd seen from Horton Hears a Who, and it smells downright tropical. It is in the mimosa family, so no surprise there. I also found American Ipecac, the root of which can be dried, ground up, and made into a syrup which will make you throw up your toenails. All in all, there were 29 unique flower species, and I could have had more if I chose to add poison hemlock, nope, or yucca, double nope. The list of flowers is included on the podcast post on our website, blindhogandacorn.com. I even took a picture of the final arrangement. Midsummer means it's also time to get serious about hay. Mid-June is kind of too late for a first cutting, but since we can't control the weather, we just do the best we can. Yesterday I was out in Herman's Hayfield, one of Herman's Hayfields, I should say, waiting for Blind Hog to follow me up on the tractor. I drove the woman's truck out to the field, the F-250, with the flatbed trailer. It was a special day. We were picking up brown bales. Herman is our octogenarian neighbor from across the road. His family has lived here for years, over a hundred in fact, and his farm is considered to be a Missouri century farm as a result. He did sell part of it to our neighbors, Ashley and Dave, but Ashley is his granddaughter, and she and her family currently live in the log house his uncle built. Herman's family lived down the road, across from where our mailbox is. That house is long gone, but a power pole remains, along with a lone azalea. Herman told us that when he was a kid, their dairy cows grazed up on our property and beyond. 
the kids had to go out in the afternoon and bring the cows home. Barefoot and skinny, Herman would have to walk up the hills and find the cows, but one of them was tame and gentle enough and Herman could hop on her back and ride her home for milking. A few years ago, Herman bought more acreage in the holler way back and has a couple fields there he likes to cut for hay. I could hear the Mahindra as Blind Hog came around the last bend. The hay field is 1.82 miles from the hay barn on our farm. We'll load up the bales and tote them home, unload and come back for more. Chickening out, I wanted to avoid having the bales sit on the fenders over the wheels of the trailer. They're heavy and pressed darn too close to the top of the tires for me. So, five round bales on the trailer instead of six. One in the bed of the F-250, and Blind Hog can carry one on the front end and one on the back end of the Mahindra. We had to make six trips. Haying is a big deal around here. Not only is it weather dependent, but the equipment is pricey. Not everyone can do it themselves, although we did try. Used equipment is out there. I know a few people who can afford the new stuff, so let's do some math. A shiny new hay cutter, rake, and baler will set you back $80,000, and that's probably a deal. There are more expensive packages out there. Divide that by $40, the average price for a round bale of hay, and you would have to put up 2,000 bales of hay to pay that off. Which, if you have lots of land, might be doable. Or all the diesel fuel burned and the rolls of net wrap. You need to go around the fields once to cut, again to rake and winrow, and then again a third time to bale. Finally, you've got to go back out and pick up the bales and drive them home. Are you going to pay someone to be your hired hand and use your equipment? And what about those fields? For top yields, you'll need to fertilize them, and ammonium nitrate ain't cheap. Out west, they also have to irrigate. This is definitely a game for big dogs only. Little peoples like ourselves have to do things piecemeal. The first year we were out here, our fields had been grazed by a neighbor who had feeder cattle. In exchange for his winter grazing, he baled hay for us that summer. It worked for us. The next year, Herman cut and baled for us, and we said to ourselves, We can do this! Seeing how we were just having the 12-acre field cut, we figured we could do it and put it up in small square bales and do the cutting when we wanted, when the grass had not yet headed out. This is called the boot stage and is considered to be the most nutritious and with grass you can go with high quality and less quantity or low quality but higher quantity. It's hard to get both. We looked around and got a used sickle mower, square baler, and rake from the local used machinery place. We were so excited. I think we paid like $2,500. Little did we know that hay equipment is sentient. 
It knows if you know or if you don't know what you're doing, and it'll take advantage of you when timing is most critical and you are most vulnerable. We found out that the mower will break a tooth or throw a drive bar in the most inopportune time. The rake? Get your rows almost finished and the ground drive will explode. Don't even get me started on the baler. By the end of the summer, I could restring the needles and get the knotters going just about blindfolded. The needles are two big prongs that have eyes at the end, like a sewing needle. These are on a gear belt that is timed so that once a bunch of hay is swept up by the pickup tines, shoved sideways into the chamber and packed to the desired length, the needles will engage and push up, wrapping the baling twine up around the end of the bale, feeding it to the knotters. Ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk. And woe be you if the timing is out just a little. The needles are heavy, And with the momentum from a PTO drive, if they hit the knotters wrong or if the chamber is not set just so, they will snap and break. And they did. So, we had to get another used square baler. The hay cutter also died. Its wobble box on the sickle mower exploded. Things seemed to go along okay after that and we would get our little 12-acre field cut, raked, and baled. Square bales are handy, but unlike round bales, they cannot be left out in the field. Once baled, those puppies have to be put on a trailer and taken inside. This meant Blind Hog would cut the hay, I would rake it, and then he would start baling it. The badger learned to drive the straight-drive truck and trailer in the field as I walked behind, stacking up the bales. Once Blind Hog had finished baling, he would come along and also help load. Then up to the hay barn, unload, go back out, and pick more up. One summer, we actually got three cuttings done, and at 600 bales a cutting or so, we had a lot of hay. It was hot work, and we tried to get a couple of Badger's friends to help, but they both fizzled. We did it ourselves, and then the drought of 2012 came. After cutting the field in May, we didn't get significant rain for weeks afterwards. Then it got hot. The fields, cut short from haying, turned brown and crispy. Everyone's ponds dried up, and our well even gave out. We only had that first cutting of hay, a fraction of what we would normally have, and our animal numbers had also increased. Oops. We decided after that summer, we were done cutting hay. We would buy what we needed and let it go at that. But how would we get through with most of the winter feeding? Stockpiled forage! We had been attending grazing schools and learned how farmers can let the field grow up, saving the forage in the field instead of cutting it for hay. Yes, there are steps that you need to take, but the idea appealed to us. No more summer haying! And trying to time the cuttings with the weather, worrying about the rains? Nope. Stockpiled forage was the deal for real. First, there are two main classes of field grasses, warm season and cold season. Warm season grasses 
do typically well in the summer. Think of your little blue stem and prairie grass, pretty much all the native grasses. Cool season grasses include orchard grass, timothy, and fescue. In fact, fescue is what has made Missouri the number three cattle producer in the United States. A particular kind of fescue, originally found in Kentucky, is infected with an endophyte, a fungus that lives in the roots and then concentrates in the seed heads. This fungus helps the fescue survive in the high heat of summer, but with a price. Livestock can be sensitive to endophyte and have a drop in milk production, suffer reduced blood circulation in the extremities, and in horses, it can cause abortion. Even with all that, fescue is what makes Missouri a grazier's dream. We avoid most of the endophyte issue by clipping the seed heads off the grass in May and early June. Setting the brush hog as high as it'll go, about 11-12 inches off the ground, blind hog can clip the seed heads off, leaving the leafy grasses and clover below untouched. This also stimulates the grass to become more vegetative, as in leafy. Fun fact, if it is wet and rainy in May and then gets hot, hot, hot in June, another fungus can grow on the grass seeds, ergot. Ergot bodies will form and they'll look like mouse droppings. Ergotamine poison can infect any grain crop. Think of rye flour being infected back in medieval times. People going all crazy and nuts? Nope, it wasn't witches. It was ergot poisoning. We have had a couple goats come down with ergot issues. Goats love to go around and just eat the seed heads off the grasses. One goat had to be put down as her feet just about fell off from lack of blood flow. And you'll see the occasional cow in the area that is missing its tail switch, the fluffy end of its tail, due to lack of circulation. Fescue is also about near impossible to get rid of, but for a grass that grows like crazy in the cold months, returns for a curtain call in the fall, we'll put up with it. Last year we had a bunch more cattle. This year we're only going to carry about five head. Goats? We may overwinter 50 or 70. It depends. Want to know how much hay an animal will eat? If fed nothing else, you can safely go with 5% of body weight, and this will include any wasted food. One of our little half-sized 750-pound cows would then go through about 35 pounds of dry matter a day. I actually figure 3% for the hay, being generous, and let the stockpiled forage round out the balance of the diet. A 130-pound adult goat? Mm, that's about 6 pounds of hay. And again, I figure they'll eat half, if not more, of their daily meal from out in the field. In fact, both the cattle and the goats would prefer to eat forage in the field rather than live on hay alone. But tell me, Acorn, can you figure out how much forage is out there in the field? I'm glad you asked. Yes, there is a way, and I have to use my handy grazing stick, a yardstick that has calculations on it. 
you figure out the quality of the forage and the height, multiply in the grazing efficiency percentage, animal numbers and weight, do the miracle math, and voila, you can figure out the tonnage. Another thing we do is limit just how much of the field the herds have access to, and this makes them clean their plates better instead of just going around eating all the tasty bits and pooping on the rest. This is the essence of management-intensive grazing, known as MIG, or M-I-G. Having the hay in the barn before midsummer is great peace of mind. Otherwise, I would be fretting and trying to figure out from whom and from where our hay would come, like I did last year. During that 2012 drought, everyone was also short on hay. We'd ordered a tractor-trailer load from Oklahoma, and it was plain piss-poor. Stemmy, with leaves and sticks the size of my forearms, wound up in the bales, and even dried up prickly pear pods. It was crap. But, as our neighbor Hubie will say, it's better than eating snowballs. To Hubie, anything is better than snowballs. That old elm firewood, it'll burn better than snowballs. Crappy hay? Well, you get the idea. And then there's the risk of bringing in invasive weeds to your farm thanks to the hay trucked in from foreign parts. Some people have even had fire ants arrive in the bales. No, thank you. There are also different ways to feed your livestock round bales. You can just set them down and let them go at it. Or you can unroll it down a hill. You can put it in a feeder ring and the latest... Drop the whole round bale in a big hopper attached to your huge tractor, and using your tractor's PTO, the power takeoff, you can power up the hopper to grind up the round bale and spew it out into a chopped feed. Think of all the ways these methods could spread unwanted seeds and pests to your farm. The way we handle it, is to set the round bales in a hay ring. This keeps the cows from tearing it apart and sleeping in it. And only to feed the hay in a specific area, a sacrifice yard. There, we can control any invasive weeds that we might see. We can also open up the feeding for hay at night and close it off during the day. Seems to have been working fine lately, and let me tell you, Having something that works well on the farm is a rare but glorious thing. While I was sitting in the field waiting for Blind Hog to get back for another load, Herman was bailing the last of the windrows. I saw a coyote creep out of the woods, look around, and go back in. Herman said he had seen this coyote. He came out in the field bold as anything to check out the dead critters from the hay mower. Unfortunately, small animals often get caught in the mower, but the vultures and coyotes will find all the tasty bits. Well, this coyote was just being all nonchalant, and then a doe came out of the woods and crossed the field. The coyote did not make eye contact with her and acted like he ignored her, but once she was out of his range, he took off like a shot for the exact place where she had come from. 
Herman thought he was looking to see if she had hit a fawn. I'm happy that Herman was able to cut, rake, and bale the hay without it being rained on. Better yet, we were able to get it into the barn dry. Storing hay can be a trick. If too damp, the hay will generate heat and catch a barn on fire. Left outside, you'll risk it being rained on. Round bales with nylon netting will shed water better than round bales tied with string. And some folks will even tube wrap their round bales like one big giant worm. As I mentioned before, you do not want to leave square bales in the field if you can help it. They'll absorb water like a sponge. Herman also has a fourth piece of hay equipment, a tedder. This is a brilliant thing, engineered to flip hay up in the field so it can dry. It'll not leave the hay in rows, but scatters it all about. It can cut a day off the haying process, especially if your weather isn't right, or you have a really heavy dew, or really extra thick grass, or if the hay got rained on after cutting. Cutting hay in itself is an art. You have to wait for a little bit during the day so that the plant sugars will rise into the leaves, but you also want to get it done before it gets dark and the sugars go back to the roots. Ah, well, this is what Herman says. There are several different types of hay mowers, sickle mowers, drum mowers, hay binds, but Herman likes one that has a conditioner. Think of two long rubber rollers like a ringer washer. The grass is crushed in the rollers after being cut and thus it'll dry faster. Hey Blind Hog, are you ready to give the call to action? Call to what? The call to action. This is what they call the mid-roll of the podcast. I hope you're keeping track of all this. I am. So, you know what I need you to do. Listeners, go to your podcast directory and subscribe to Blind Hog and Acorn. Give Acorn more subscriptions. All the subscriptions, all the downloads, and what else can our listeners do? They can go to blindhogandacorn.com, see the website. Well, I don't know, but it's there for them. Yep, I couldn't have said it any better. With all that goes into haying, you wonder how people can afford to sell a round bale for less than $50. I am not going to argue over Herman's price, but I think he's also cutting us the neighbor's special. Last year, our forage looked great. It was ultra thick. Lots of rain in the spring, and it was downright lush. We decided in May to have our hay cut by people who do this as a side job. They'll contract with several people and cut hay one farm after the next. We put in with one neighbor who already had such an arrangement and then told our other neighbor that if they had got their hay cut first, tell their cutter that he could do ours as well. Weeks went by and no haying. More days went by and the grass was now post-mature, seed heads fully mature and drying. Finally, Colleen's guy showed up and did the farms to the east of us, but he left before doing ours, 
Nope, he just didn't have the time. Panicking, I told Hubie to the west of us to make sure his guy knew we needed our hay cut. Again, the days rolled into weeks. It was late July when we finally got the hay cut. In hindsight, we should have just passed on having it cut at all, but our barn was empty and we needed the round bales. However, post-mature as the hay was, it was baled and in the barn. We got 44 bales from our little 12-acre field. We expected the typical autumn rains to come, and we waited and waited. One inch of rain fell in August right after we'd got the bales in the barn, and then nada. September was one of the hottest and driest on record, and October was about the same. It was 2012 all over again. Putting the livestock into the wooded area along the drive, we had to feed hay in the woods to keep them from the grazing in the fields during the critical fall growth period. Hay began to fly out of the barn in September and kept flying out until late March. In the meantime, we knew we couldn't keep this up. In addition to the heifers that we had to sell, we also sold some young cows that were bred. Then we sold a few proven mama cows who were also pregnant. That got us down to the four keeper cows and the bull. We ended up the winter with one bale left in the barn. Knowing that we'd made the mistake of cutting the lovely forage again, so we divided the 12-acre field into three sections and put up permanent 4 by 4 woven wire sheep and goat fence. This would prevent us from succumbing to the whim of cutting hay. And the paddocks are way too tight for large equipment to turn around easily. We'll go back to stockpiling the forage and buying round bales. No more cutting our own hay. It always brings in a drought. Herman decided to sell us all the hay he cut in that 9.4 acre field. At first he said we could buy some of it, about 30 bales, and he would keep the rest. He started thinking, though, and he didn't want to drive down and fetch it, so he let us have it. Herman takes care of everyone. We certainly have been the recipients of his help on more than one occasion. One time we'd cut our hay and begun to bale it when the baler broke. Herman came over and on Father's Day bailed up my curly Q windrows. He had been taking a nap when I called him about our dilemma, and he came on over and helped us out. Hey, Envy. Every year I come down with it when I see friends and their fancy machinery, cutting hay in the early boot stage, perfectly dried and stored neatly in the barn. It is so sweet looking I can almost smell it. They make it look so easy, but I know the real story. It's hard work. Some people have cabs with air conditioning on their tractors. I can't blame them. The F-250 woman's truck needs the AC refilled or looked at. So I was hot and sweaty. Blind Hog was hot and sweaty. And was Herman. Neither of them are driving tractors with air conditioning. Sitting in the truck and typing on this, I was feeling gritty, hot, and itchy. Looking around at the rolling Ozarks hills, it reminded me of Grant Wood paintings, 
You know, the foam rubber hills and blobs of trees. American Gothic might be Wood's most famous painting, but adolescence, a pin-feathered pullet standing tall between two squat hens, is one of Blind Hog's favorites of his. My favorite is one that is no longer around except in print form as Wood destroyed it. Sultry night is the image of a farm worker pouring a bucket of water on his head. The background is divided between the lighter sky and the darker field in the background. The figure's farmer tan is in opposition to the landscape. The darker head and arms holding up a bucket against the sky and his torso and legs pale against the backdrop of the dark fields. The man is naked. Standing by a long trough full of water, he is sluicing off the day's grime. Imagine in 1937 and the painting of such a figure. Female nudes might not get as much as a second glance, but a male figure, full frontal? Wood caught all kinds of holy hell for it. The postmaster refused to mail lithographs of the work. So, Wood, in a fit, cut the painting in half. He would be dead in five years from pancreatic cancer, as his choice of rural subject matter and painting style had begun to fall out of favor as abstract expressionism became all the rage. I think of that image of the farmer, tired and hot, and I can easily imagine the shock of the cold water pouring down on my own head and face, tasting the saltiness of dried sweat as the water washes away. Grass is thick in the field, and that hay is in the barn. The hay spikes have been taken off the tractor, and Blind Hog reattached the backhoe and front-end loader. Life is good, and it is also officially summer. And although things are heating up, literally and figuratively, I have to remember that the days are actually going to be getting shorter from here on out. Still, so much to do, and we'll get it done. Well, I think that'll about do it for today. This is the Acorn, and I thank you for visiting with us. Until next time, take care. <laughs>